Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. My guest today is my very good friend, Despina Surius. She was very recently elected as Montreal City Councilor for the District of Loyola. On this episode, we talk about her first campaigning experience, her background, and the reasons that motivated her to pursue a career in politics, as well as some challenges that lay ahead during this four-year mandate. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Debbie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, first of all, can, can I call you Debbie? Because I mean, that's what I've been calling you for like what over 30 years now. <laughs> Pretty much. You could call me that. That's my uh, unofficial name. <laughs> Despina Surius. Um, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. How are you? Thank you. Oh, I'm I'm great. Thank you for having me. Great is a maybe a big word. Uh, we just came out of uh, was at the Commission de Finances de, 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 de l'administration today. So specifically for the uh, service uh, dédié à la diversité de l'inclusion sociale, which I'm affiliated to as a advisory, uh, a special, uh, yeah, an associate counselor mm-hmm. to Josefina. So yeah, it was just uh, it's interesting, <laughs> busy, a lot of meetings, and uh, yeah. We're gonna definitely get to, we're gonna we're gonna definitely get to all of that because uh, you're entering a world where obviously you're gonna see a lot of new things and uh, interesting things as well. Uh, but yeah, I gotta ask you how you are because last time I saw you, I think we were um, at a birthday party in a park uh, mm-hmm. in a, at the summertime. Uh, it was last exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah, it was. Um, so uh, haven't, haven't seen you since. Yeah, yeah, haven't seen you since. So uh, how's everything? How's the family? Um, how uh, have you been coping? Uh, you know, this whole COVID thing. Uh, the family's good. My daughter's good. You know, she, she was having a hard time. Well, she was enjoying being home with us for the last few weeks because, well, it's Christmas. Had the, she had a hard, she's having a hard time at the daycare now. Uh, Dennis is good. He's working downstairs. You know, getting used to being, uh, all, you know, more at home, which is a bit hard when you're starting a new job. You kind of want to be around people. But uh, things are good. You know, I'm, 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 you know, happy with my new beginnings. Good. Yeah. Um, here's what's funny because I had planned on covering the municipal campaign. I had done a series of interviews with a bunch of candidates um, for the federal campaign. It went all the way up until October. And then I think you guys overlapped. You started like a couple of days yeah. before that campaign ended. And I had promised to everyone listening, everyone watching that as soon as the federal campaign would end, I would jump right into the municipal campaign. And I got to be honest with you, I got so turned off by, you know, the, 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 the whole electoral discourse and not yours i'm talking about specifically the federal election where i i honestly just i wanted to tune off so i ditched the entire idea of doing interviews for the municipal one uh and ever since then the, the podcast has been in, in hiatus so you're uh, you're the first episode back if you um if you want yeah you know what i was gonna say something about the podcast I started listening to your podcast, this one and the other one, just as dads during uh, COVID. Yeah. 
I, just to be connected, to feel connected to people. <laughs> While I was cooking, I was hearing you, uh, George and Chris. You know, it was. It's a uh, congratulations for that. I find that it's a, uh, it's it's kind of a fun thing to do, and yeah. it also is informative. I like the the format. You know that it's a. Uh, we're having we're having a lot of fun. fun. That one yeah, hasn't gone. That that one hasn't gone on pause. I'm actually surprised that we're still doing that. I, we we uh, when we started, it was end of 2019. Um. We did the first episode, like, I don't know, or November, I think, of 2019. And uh, we, we just didn't talk to each other. Was, everyone went off on their own. Christmas came along. And I'm like, okay, that was it. We, we did one episode, you know? And then in the beginning of 2020, we started. And we've been very consistent. Actually, we've never stopped. So I'm actually yeah. surprised. And it's, you know, like you're saying, it's a lot of fun. And it gives us the, the opportunity to just see each other, which was exactly... Uh, the excuse for us was, you know, look, let's just get away from my wife and my kids and talk to my. That's friends. what I was hearing. That's what I mean. But and it's funny because the conversations that you have reflect the conversations that you would have outside. Like I, I've, I've experienced that banter between uh, yeah, you guys. So exactly, it's- exactly. No, no. Thank, thank you though. Thanks. Um, means a lot. Um, let me just start by saying, first of all, I had no idea that one um you were running or that you were thinking of running or that you were even remotely interested uh, in doing politics now I, obviously i've covered uh, campaigns on the podcast uh, like i said before i lost a lot of interest you know by the time the municipal campaign came along um but i was following the campaigns right uh, I, especially certain districts as you know i have a lot of friends uh, that were running or that are involved uh, municipally as well um So, and the reason I found out that you were running and it was completely by luck because, uh, you you know, that one particular uh, uh, district that I had my eye on uh, was indeed Loyola. And and the reason for that is because uh, the initial candidate that Danica Dare had selected, um, you know, he's a a pretty well-known figure uh, in the EMSB, in the English Montreal School Board, you know, in the middle of all this, you know, turmoil around, you know, the, the, the provincial government's proposed uh, Bill 96, um, you know, attempting to beef up, you know, the whole French language legislation. I found that choice that he made uh, was very interesting. Uh, and at the same time, in a period where pretty much every politician was being very careful about the French language, I thought, look, for sure, the, the, the media is going to be all over this guy. Uh, I need to follow it. Something might come out. Uh, and uh, you know, I thought for sure the media is going to force that whole debate on the municipal campaign. And and that's exactly uh, what ended up happening, you know, unfortunately. And also surprisingly, you know, that candidate was you know very offensive towards the French speaking community and he was removed. Uh, and uh, it was around that moment that I saw your name come up. And obviously I was very happy, but I was also very surprised. Um, how come, you know, this decision? Why? How? How did you make this? Decision? Why? Why politics? I, I was surprised. This was not in the plans. Like it really was not in my plans. In terms, of, like I have thought about politics. I've been involved. I mean, I'm surrounded by people who are highly engaged in different ways. I work in the community sector, so we're we're very close to the political world in that sense. You know, we get resources from different levels of government, and uh, I've been involved uh, different nonprofit boards. So I've been around people who are engaged in those processes. And I actually, like a couple of people spoke to me about, uh, came to speak to me uh, in the summer about running in Loyola. And um, 
thought about it, looked at the Projet Montréal's platform, uh, spoke to my husband, uh, see how that's going to impact. Obviously, you know, politics, you're not, it looks like it's a lot of work, <laughs> you know, and it is because I'm sure, you know, you've been in it, both uh, front, like behind the scenes and in front of the, the scenes uh, as well. So, uh, you know, we spoke about it. I, you know, I valued it. I spoke to my boss too. You know, I had to take time off to do that campaign and behind, you know, I was nervous about putting my face on a postcard. I mean, a poster, obviously I'm not used, I'm not a very, uh, like you said, it's, you don't, people don't know my interest or my positions and stuff like that. And that's how I'm usually more discreet. So I just, I just said yes. <laughs> and I did it, you know, I was, uh, I'm, I'm glad I took that, uh, the chance, the opportunity that came to me. And uh, what influenced me too is what Magda, who's uh, who's our counselor in Codenesh, uh, told me, you know, it's going into uh, politics, becoming a city counselor is like a, c'est comme donner de soi-même vraiment. So it's giving of yourself. I come from that sector. I'm in the community sector again, working 18 years on the ground like that. So it was, it's kind of a natural progression, but not an obvious one when people don't really know that I yeah, right. thought of me doing it. But when I told people, they were like, great, I see you doing that. It's something you could be doing. So that's how it happened. So it's important to note that you have been or had been working in that district for a long time, right? Uh, yes. 15 yeah. years. So so you worked in a, in a, in a well, the last uh, job that you that you held before jumping was that uh, the, the, the Carrefour Emploi Jeunesse, right? The Carrefour Jeunesse Employee in DG. Yeah, I was, I'm going to, was I, I'm still say I am, but I was the assistant director there for the last five years. And prior to that, I worked in entrepreneurship uh, uh, promotion, mainly in schools and with young people. It's really targeting uh, young adults who want to start a business. So I, I, I did work in NDG, but I also had like regional mandates. So I worked with the English Montreal School Board, the Lester B. Pearson School Board, mainly in the English sector, but I also worked with the French school boards. So, you know, I've, I've been involved and I know the area specifically because, you know, we do have a top de concertation. I'm involved with all the organizations, you know, kind of spread around the, the district. So it feels like home. You know, I really feel like home. Have you, have you understood? Have you understood already that what you were doing before was politics like the involvement that you had and all these groups that you were working with there's obviously a, commu a community aspect to it right because you're at the service of this community and you're working for the betterment of this community but it's 100 politics because all these organizations that you're working with and mm -hmm. for yeah they all depend on public funding and it's a consistent battle on, well, maybe not a battle, but it's a, it's, it's a consistent effort on yeah. maintaining those contacts with the government, those funds, uh, you know, and everything that uh, mm -hmm. goes into this effort uh, to, to, to help you guys keep doing that work. Of course, yeah, you're in constant communication, uh, positioning, uh, you know, the, the, the ground, like the, the needs on the ground change. So those have to be communicated also uh to to the government uh so yeah being in contact we were very in close contact with our elected officials uh i'm already being contacted by my uh, the different organizations in my district I, I naturally contacted them as well obviously because i come from that from that sector but yeah you know you i it took me a little bit of time to understand it uh fully especially when i became the assistant director you you know you're looking at getting funding developing projects based on the different needs that are coming up so you 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 understand like I, you get it more but I, I 
progressively got it, especially in my role as an entrepreneurship awareness and promotion officer before, where I had to work with different stakeholders to build, whether it be a project, uh, whether to build a tool, even a toolkit that I was building, building it with the schools, with, uh, you know, school professionals, uh, youth. It's, it's really, you know, you're always kind of, it's PR. <laughs> it's PR, but it's for, you know, for a purpose. It's really for, you know, making sure that the people so, who are the most vulnerable are not left behind. So yeah. for the people that don't know, what is the Emploi Jeunesse? Like Carrefour Emploi Jeunesse, what do you guys do? It's uh, the Carrefour Jeunesse Emploi uh, actually were created in 1995 uh, by uh, Parisot's government. And um, yeah, so basically they, they service the community uh, by providing uh, social professional support for youth, people 16 to 35. Um, they exist across the province of Quebec. There's 20 on the island of Montreal. Um, and so that's part of their mandate. Uh, the other mandate, it's also to uh, to work with the different stakeholders in the community to uh, support uh, youth in integrating socially and economically. So they also play a role of a concertation a little bit. This is kind of more recent because they reevaluated the, the role that the Carrefour played. And uh, yeah, so there's all, there's, you know, they, they, they're very, um, they're basically created by the community. And every community that they're in. So uh, the one in NDG was created in 1998. So been around for a long time too. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the the challenges in that district, specifically uh, specifically to that job that you had. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the specifics in the job, uh, I would say, the district is uh, very diverse, uh, and in and in different ways. There's uh, there's a lot of English speaking Montrealers that live in Loyola. Uh, I would say 45%. Well, statistically, 45% speak English at home. 26% speak English only. So there's that. That's very unique. You don't see it all across the. Uh, so there's that. Uh, a lot of uh, recent uh, immigrants. 26% of the population is of you know recent immigrant. Uh, recently immigrated to Canada. So there's that, um, you know, making sure that their needs are met. Uh, we recently created a, a decade ago, there was a Bienvenue NDG that's created that does support immigrants integrating in the community. Um, there's also, uh, you know, there is marginalization. There are communities that are, uh, you know, they're really, really far out and they're not, because we're surrounded by richer areas, we're, we don't always get the resources needed to target these very, very marginalized communities. Right. So, you know, how it works with government monies, you know, they based on statistics and like, you know, so there's that, 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 that works, uh, that that's there. So there's that. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I would say it's that those are the main challenges that, that we're, it's not easy to always get the funding needed for the very, very specific needs in, 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 in Loyola. Um, those, I mean, talking from the community sector level, those are the main challenges, I would say. Uh, mm-hmm. So in the time that you were there, what were the, some of the things that you succeeded at? What, what were some of the achievements that you guys uh, uh, managed to... Uh... Achievements. Mine, I right, but you mean overall achievements, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I, I never really thought of it like achievements. You know, I, I, that's not, I don't, I'm not in the... I, I don't well, really focus well, you, on that. Well, you mentioned some of the programs that you put in place and mm-hmm. you know what, what were the things that you guys piloted? What were you guys, you know, some of the things that you guys put forth that you were really proud of, let's say. 
I mean, things that historically the Carrefour Jeunesse Emploi has done has we, we've put in place the table de concertation with other stakeholders, uh, table de concertation jeunesse, that is still part of, uh, well, we're kind of fiduciaries of the organization. So we do work with the table de concertation jeunesse. Very, it's, a, you know, again, the funding is not enough. Uh, progressively, we're, you know, the organization is still working on that, but it has been a great support for other youth organizations. And getting funding, getting visibility, positioning the community in a favorable way. So that's, I think, a, one of the successful things that have been done. In terms of uh, all, all the entrepreneurship stuff, I find that, uh, well, that mandate was given to us by the government back in the in 2000s. And then that kind of was, we were getting specific money to do entrepreneurship awareness. Uh, but we did put in place during our time when, you know, to 2016, we had put in place many different programs or, you know, events for you to sensitize them to entrepreneurship, to get them involved in wanting to start a business. Uh, so those are the kinds of things that I found very interesting because you get to see young people already, at, you know, teenage, either teenagers, and they're already starting to think of what they want to do next and kind of finding their 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 voice through these channels, you know. So those are kinds of things that I, I, I really, I mean, that's what I loved doing, really, getting those you know, programs out and the seeing the, the 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 fire in these kids that, you know, kind of grow and. Right. Yeah. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the campaign. Uh, how, how was that experience? Tell me about it. You know what? I loved it so much. I was so nervous the first day that I had to do the door to door. And I, you know, I mean, I settled down after that, but it really just took one day, I think, because. Yeah. Well, once, you get, once you get your feet wet, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do this. I could do this. I was doing it six hours a day. Like at the end, like the last month, six hours a day, almost yeah. every day. Yeah, yeah. No, every day. So it was, it's, uh, you know, talking to everyone, really getting a sense of what people need, uh, you know, uh, you know, you're connecting to them at, uh, on a personal level as well. Uh, and you, it, you know, it reinforces like your um, conviction that what you're doing is right, that your you know, your direction, the direction you took or the decision you took to go into politics is right. And that you could represent these needs, you know? So for me, that was really, uh, that was really great. You know, I, so I really loved that. Um, getting to know uh, the volunteers too, you know, I had people like, you know, who come with you every day, you know, and uh, not every day, but almost every day. And, uh, you know, seeing that dedication of others as well to a political party or a cause or you, that's is this exactly, more confidence? Yeah, that's exactly you know? what I was going to say. Isn't it amazing when, and obviously you get to meet a lot of people, right? So you're, you're sitting in there in your election, you're in your committee office, uh, and you're seeing all these people coming in just wanting to help out and just giving themselves to you and say, look, what do you want me to do for you? Like, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that fantastic? Isn't that like a great yeah. feeling to know that there's no, people that are willing to give up their own time and their own energy to kind of help you? Of course not. That I, I found that very, uh, I, I, I was like, um, amazed and the ease, some, some people were very comfortable going alone too. You know, they would go and just knock on doors with, they were going to like go as a group, you know, it would kind of split up. And uh, so that was interesting too, to see that, that, that the knowledge, the, the, you know, that they believed in what they were doing, you know? So I, I don't know, that gave me more confidence every day, you know, even to the last day, to the last day, the last hours, 
you know, <laughs> you're going down, you're like, well, it's important to notice. About- <laughs> it's important to note that, you know, it wasn't the last day for you. I mean, that lasted several days after uh, because you, you the, the results were contested and you had to go to a recount. I remember watching the results and look, you ran and uh, I have no problem saying this. I mean, you ran against a, a guy that I know very well. I mean, he's a Gabriel, friend, Gabriel, uh, cool guy, uh, very, you know, involved for a long time. Uh, so I'm following this and I'm thinking, where the, where the hell, where, where's this going? <laughs> you know? And I remember messaging you and i'm like uh are you speaking to lawyers because uh if i know gabriel well enough if this finishes anywhere between you know one and 150 uh vote difference he's he's contesting and you're like what oh yeah okay sure let me let me just ask <laughs> and, and indeed that's what that's what happened well for me it's, it's not something that i know right so you yeah. told me and i was like yeah you know but it was in the back of my head i was like kind of happy when I, you know, the final result, it took a long time to get the final result, right? Uh, I think the first run I won by 87 votes. So I was like, it was, what? And they announced that like, I think on TV at 1 a.m. at some point that I won, but it was really, really confirmed in the morning because he hadn't finished counting all the boxes. So I was like, I, w- I was, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know what was going to happen next. So when I won, I was happy, but I had a little bit of a reserve, right? I knew I'm like, well, it is a very tight race. It was yeah. also a tight race between the mayor of the borough. and Right. Uh, Who ended up losing as well, uh, Lionel Perez. Yeah. Yeah. And Gracia, you know, so that was also, you know, and there were other races across the island, uh, across Montreal that it, uh, we saw that and they were contested as well on both ends. So. You know, it was this, yeah, so I took, you had the yay, you started preparing and, you know, the, the, the ask for the recount, like pretty much the day that you could, you know, ask for it the last day. So very close to, you know, I was like, maybe they won't, but I was, I was not like, I always had it in the back of my head, you know, so I was ready for it. Uh, of course, it delays things, right? It delays like recount, you know, recount and they have to, uh, you know, swear you in and happen pretty quickly the next steps. But uh, yeah, so there was a bit of a wait there, but it's a great first experience because, you you know, nothing is like guaranteed. So everything that you do might have an impact on right. you winning or not. And it also shows that, you know, I do have like uh, work to do <laughs> to really ensure that I have uh, the people's trust. Right. Exactly. That I, I want to I want to work on that. For you, sure. you know what I find crazy? Because we got a little taste of it in 2017, but I think it became more concrete in this election where you had big names just dropping. And uh, in 2017, a lot of people were surprised, right? Uh, guys like uh, uh, Haru Chetillian and uh, Annie Sanson and all the, you know, uh, Elsie Lefebvre and Villeray, uh, you know, all these yeah. big names, uh, you know, they, 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 they just went under with the boat that sank. Uh, and we thought, okay, whatever, maybe it's just the circumstances. And this time around, I know, and we're not not, not only talking about Montreal, even in the regional. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even I in, see it in Laval and, and, and yeah, yeah, like you have. Um, I, I, we're not going to call them nobodies because nobody knows what the background is uh, for any individual that decides to run. But essentially, you know, the big names and all these star candidates, you know, that whole culture behind the, you know, the the star candidate does not seem to work anymore, at least not at the municipal level. Uh, I mean, I don't know. We'll see what's happening, what's going to happen this year uh, for the provincial one. But, you know, we saw that happening in 2017, the municipal one, and we saw it again repeat itself now. Um, I I find that quite 
amazing. I don't know. I, I mean, there was Guillaume Lavoie, which was a huge catch for Danica there, who ended up losing as well. Uh, and uh, I, I just don't know how to explain it. I don't know if there is a demographic shift, if it's that younger generation that now is at age to vote and doesn't really care about who has been there and who's who and, you know, you know what's what. Uh, they just really go on you know, case by case, they look at people uh, individually, they look at platforms. I mean, I, I don't know how to explain it yet, but uh, it was different things, I think. Yeah, it was generalized across the province. So, and mm-hmm. that's why I'm not, I'm not just talking about Montreal. Yeah, yeah. Like we saw the young woman who won in, in uh, the, the Longueuil, right? Right, yeah. So there's that. I mean, I think it's just maybe, maybe there's a need for a renewal. You know, municipal politics, a lot of times people do stay for a long time. So, you know, need for renewal maybe uh you know there's also the campaigning that is done on social media uh mobilizing people phones there's different ways of getting people to vote or like encouraging them to vote for you convincing them you know so there's a campaign whatever you're proposing and and then they're getting the vote out obviously as well so i think there's it's like multiple uh, multiple factors that uh, well the important thing that you said obviously now the important thing that you said now obviously is you know the work on the ground you right i mean you won by a very thin margin you got to make sure now that you gain people's trust that you got to make sure that uh that they didn't make any mistake right yeah. uh and, and, and they didn't they didn't <laughs> yeah, exactly. so you, got, you have to prove it to them now uh of course. so so i don't i don't know if you've already adapted but how are you adapting uh, I'm, I'm assuming you guys aren't uh, at city council you're working from uh from uh from a distance Yes, I'm working in. Yeah, so we were we were at city. You know, I have an office both at the city council and at the borough because I have the uh, special like uh, the advisory position uh, at the uh, on the executive committee. But yeah, so I'm working from home. Uh, the the adapting went pretty well, I would say. I mean, it very quickly. It was it went super fast. So you know, get sworn in name to the executive committee, you know, we had our first borough council meeting uh, like a, a week later, uh, several extraordinary ones as well, because we were backed up. So a lot, of, it, it just happens very quickly. I'm adapting well because of the team and, you know, the, I'm naturally a, a person who likes to be around uh, people and dynamic environments. So that, that's, that's great. It does. It's also challenging because there's a lot of things to understand. It's not, you, you get dynamics, right? But then there's like processes. Everything is, there are processes, there's rules. Uh, you know, what is my specific role everywhere? <laughs> you know, right. how do you pass a motion? <laughs> Those kinds of things that are pretty, you know, you see them, but then you there's all, there's work that's done behind the scenes. That's right. also important to learn. A lot of reading, I'm, you know, I've, I've read all, a lot of different documentation. Um, keep I'm, I keep doing that. I'm starting to see uh, citizens also meeting up with citizens that have specific needs uh, or the proposals that want to be involved. That's something that's very interesting. I find about my district, people want to want to get involved, even at the doors. You know, they have like citizens committees and things like that. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but there is a yeah, I was it's a it's like a steep. Uh, learning curve it's like this yeah and i mean i i i just i don't i i would like to go back to uh some in-person things you know for now it's fine we obviously have a but but there's an advantage right and i was having this conversation with uh with our friend annie kutrakis who gets elected at the federal level uh in laval and my parents yeah, so she comes in. She came in in 2019, and obviously, you know, the the, the pandemic happened right after. And uh, 
you know, she was saying how, you know, how challenging it is, you know, because you're not in Ottawa, but at the same time, because I've seen, well, I mean, for you, it doesn't really affect you because you're in Montreal, right? At the end of the day, you're still coming back home. So for people that work in Quebec City or in Ottawa, where, you know, if you're getting in for the first time and you're not, you're not so sure what to expect, it could be tough on the family, right? To, 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 to be gone for four or five days straight every single week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe perhaps it, it, it's a good thing that, uh, I mean, good thing. I mean, we're not going to call COVID a good thing, but I'm saying, uh, you know, working and, you know, getting introduced into politics this way, the fact that you're still close to your family and that you're getting kind of your feet wet um, in, in politics, maybe it's not so bad, right? I mean, yeah. um, you're so, still grounded, you're anchored in, in, in something that you know. So you're kind of, there's a little bit of comfort there. It's good for my daughter because she, I think she forgot who I was during that campaign. She <laughs> yeah. would call her dad at night. I'm like, wait, I'm your mother. <laughs> I'm going to come. <laughs> How old is she now? She's a little bit over three. She's like oh. three and a few months. Okay. Yeah. I thought she was like newborn or something. Like that. Uh, I, I know, get, but it's because you skipped two years. I get barely st- didn't see each other. Yeah, so I, I get stuck in time. And I thought like, yeah, you just, you just gave birth and she ran for office. <laughs> no, not, not that. But it was a consider. you know, you have to think about it when you have a, a small kid. But we have, uh, you know, Dennis, he, he works from home as well. He's been working from home since April of 2010. 20 when the pandemic started he was they were transitioning into that that the federal government and now like he's working uh from home which is you know great so i think you know there's a little bit of a balance in, right. in that sense you know uh but i, I just missed that interaction if, if you could have a little bit of everything that would be like yeah uh okay so tell me now uh the the responsibilities that you've been given you mentioned uh being named to uh to the executive committee yeah. Um, okay, what are, what are your roles? What, what were you? Uh... So, yeah, some uh, special, um, Conseiller Associate is an associate advisor, okay, uh, to uh, Josefina Blanco, who's in charge of uh, uh, homelessness, diversity, um, inclusion social. So, so those are her files, and I, I'm in, mm-hmm. go ahead, go ahead, yeah, and I, I'm, I'm actually like. I'm going to be working on the status of women, diversity issues, uh, seniors, and I, there's like four things, uh, diversity, seniors, um, status of women, and um, my God, why, why am I not, uh, did I say status of women? Yeah. Yeah, those are my four. four, four but I'm mainly going to be working with the advisory councils, the Conseil Jeunesse, the Conseil de Montréalais and the Conseil Interculturel. So I'm going to be like the, I'm going to be having statutory meetings with them. As Josefina is obviously like with me, but I'm kind of working more closely with them, uh, you know, creating the links between that and, and my role in the executive committee. Uh, specific projects, you know, for seniors, we're going to be renewing the, the Marap and the Municipalité uh, Amis des Aînés. So that's going to be put in place and it already exists, but it's going to be renewed. And, and this year we're working on the, the one for 2023, 20, 25. Uh, so, you know, different elements around that, ensuring that the gender-based and intersectional analysis are integrated in all like services within the, uh, within the, the city of Montreal. So those are like the executive committee responsibilities. I'm also on, on two commissions, uh, La Commission de la Présidence du Conseil and the um, Commission on Housing and Social Cohesion for the uh, com- uh, Communauté Metropolitaine de Montréal. So I'm a member of that commission. So, you know, there's extras. I haven't really, uh, we're going to have meetings more for the commissions in the coming weeks. 
So I'm going to get to know more the my place within those commissions as well. Right. But I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, you know, it's nice because you have a, I have like the macro more, uh, you know, bigger picture. And then you have your city councilor work that is very district oriented and, uh, you know, it's on the ground, which is what I've been doing for a long time. So I need, I, I kind of like the balance of both, you know. How many, how many councilors in uh, Codenej and DG? Uh, five councilors, one mayor. I think it's the biggest one, right, in Montreal? Uh, we are population-wise. Yeah, population Yeah. Five councillors, one mayor. Uh, what's the distribution? Um, how many are from your end? How many from uh, Ensemble? I, I'm, I mean, uh, two for Ensemble and three uh, councillors for R. And the mayor's ours as well. The mayorship is ours. So. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you have the majority at Boro. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. When is that starting? The borough council? Yeah. We've started already. Oh, they started we already? Our, yeah, we started like literally like <coughs> we had uh, our first extraordinary council to announce the, the other ones in November, the week of November, uh, the last week of November. And then we had one, two in December, municipal councils. We had the municipal council meetings as well in November and in, in December, uh, which are long as well. I don't know if you know how long, but they, they're very many, many hours. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's a, we were already in it. I, you know, reading all the documents, I'm saying a lot of reading because you have to prepare for those meetings, yeah. you know, you have to know uh, the files. And I do lack, obviously, like the bigger all the, all the information needed because I wasn't there prior to that. But I, I find that, uh, yeah, I'm already in to know things right away. You, you look happy and excited. Uh, yeah. Tell me uh, tell me a little bit about Loyola. Uh, uh, what's the reality uh, on the ground? Mm, like I said before, it's a, it's, it's a district that has uh, pockets of poverty. There's specific areas that are poor. Uh, there's, uh, it's, it's, it, there's a, like an older English speaking population that's been living there for a long time. Uh, there is obviously a, you know, there's a conception that NDG Loyola, let's say that it's more NDG in general is more English speaking, which is, it is more, but there are, there is a good French speaking population as well. A lot of immigrants, like I mentioned earlier, recently arrived. It's, 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 it's demographically speaking, it the borough and Loyola kind of have the same percentage of uh, more or less uh, immigrant population, historically immigrant and more recent immigrant population, more so than the rest of Montreal as well. We have a, a strong uh, con- population that is of immigrant descent. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's, uh, I mean, that's some of the things I could say about demographics. Speaking. Yeah. On the ground, there's um, a lot of families with young kids. There's elderly people as well. Um, there's a strong a student population. We have Concordia's Loyola campus uh, in our in our in our district. Uh, there's a lot of high schools, English high schools. There's a Saint Luke is the main French high school in our in our district. We have the English Montreal School Board in my district. <laughs> so there's a lot of schools. Right. Okay, so a lot of families as well. Um, what else could I say? We have uh, we have green spaces. We do have, interestingly enough. I mean, it's not. It's a little bit outside of city center, right? So there's, it, it has a, a residential feel. We have commercial streets like Sherbrooke, Summerled, but it's still uh, there's uh, it's mainly residential. I would say, um, 
things I could say about that. Anything else? Uh, no, uh, t- tell me, um, tell me about uh, the, the challenges ahead now. So we have a mandate ahead of us. Uh, the next four years, um, it's not going to be an easy mandate. I mean, uh, I've been reading a lot about uh, a lot of journalists uh, that, that write about municipal politics. It's going to be a very difficult mandate. Uh, there's some really hot topics on the agenda. Uh, like COVID nineteen and a bunch of other ones uh, that we can mention. What uh, what's the plan going forward now on these challenges? So, I mean, mm-hmm. h- how are we dealing with COVID nineteen on a municipal level? COVID. I mean, we do have the Centre um, the, the Coordination des Mesures d'Urgence that helps in like putting forth all the measures that are in, that need to be put in place for you know to to ensure. Uh, the sanitary state of Montreal. So there's that. We also call the state of emergency recently uh, in December. Uh, so we could use all the resources needed to, to ensure that we're meeting uh, the rapidly changing needs that are on the ground. So, I mean, there's there's that. Um, more at my level specifically uh, at the borough, we, you know, we, we are working with the borough to ensure all the services and activities that are offered by the borough that can be offered are so that people are not left without, you know, uh, activities to do or make sure the parks are upgraded, uh, you know, the skating rinks, that was a big thing. You know, we don't have like ideal weather for skating all the time. So making sure that we're able to quickly, you know, resolve those things that allow people to, you know, uh, have some rest from like the COVID situation that is right. everywhere. And uh, yeah, so, I mean, it's not an easy thing and it's, it's, there's like what Montreal is doing, what the government, what the provincial government is doing, and there's obviously what Canada is doing. It's obviously like that really depends on the three levels of government and how everything kind of is coordinated on the ground. Because much usually the city is like oper- like operational, right? A lot of it is operational. Yeah, so you're, 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 you're the proximity government, right? You're you're you're, you're the hands-on kind of uh, people. Yeah. So you want to keep that hands-on and make sure the direct smaller things that are Im- smaller but important things like libraries are, you know. What's happening? Because uh, I find it interesting that you're involved with the files uh, around homelessness, uh, along with your colleague. We uh, we just had in the news uh, one individual, a uh, senior, that died uh, in the cold. It was on my territory. It was on your territory as well. Um, so you have all these homeless shelters now that are either full or that can accept people that may be infected with COVID. Uh, and, and there's a huge problem, right? I mean, we can't just have people dying on the streets. We And I mean, every year we, we unfortunately hear these things happening, right? Um, is there a plan for that? There is. I mean, like, uh, again, Josefina works more on that. I don't really work directly on that file. I'm more associated to that. But there have been, the places are found. There are spaces for people to go. Uh, We have the MS team also that is uh, a psychosocial intervention team that was put in place in order to deal with, you know, issues on the ground and help uh, people who are experiencing homelessness toward shelters and things like that. The person who passed away, unfortunately, uh, was known to the CS and local uh, like police forces um, and other and organizations as well. And they would check in on him. They have a system in place already to deal. And it's, it's a lot of it is the, uh, so, uh, the service social and santé's uh, job to do that. Uh, we're there for a lot of the operational again, you know, we do support organizations. Also, we've doubled the funding that will go to organizations that are dealing with uh, itinerance for the, the time that's coming for the years to come, because it's not going to disappear uh, overnight, obviously. So there is coordination around that. So it's, it's, um, it's, 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 for me, it's very hard to, you know, when I think about these things, it's, uh, it's, it's very hard to, uh, 
to know there's like, uh, you know, that to know that you there is all these things happening and you you're doing everything in your capacity. But you know, and I I, I see all the work that's being done. I see the agility in the teams, you know, and it's in, in at all levels. You know, we're doing the best we can. So, well, because because uh, the, the 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 plant administration, especially in the last couple of years, has come under fire a lot, especially uh, since making those decisions on taking down those shelters, right? Those homeless shelters, um, you know, along Notre Dame and all these other ones, uh, calling in the cops and just you know uh, pulling everything apart. I understand that you don't want uh, homeless people just laying around in all public spaces, right? Because it is a public space. It's there for everyone. And, you know, the fact that you have all these shelters or all these tents going up, maybe it's not visually appealing or maybe it's not the right place. Uh, and at, at the same time, you don't have the space to put them in. So, I, I mean, uh, it, do, do you think that Valerie Plant is, you know, between a, a rock and a hard place there? I mean, it's, it, it's a difficult situation to even. Yeah. I mean, I think that we're doing the utmost that we can to ensure that the, we're taking into consideration cohabitation issues as well as uh, emergency uh, actions, you know. So I, I, I again, it's Josefina is more like on that file. I mean, locally uh, in Loyola, there is, Obviously, people experiencing homelessness, you see it in other sectors a lot more. And there's, you know, there's more uh, resources as well in other, in Codenage, that we have the Alte Alchalar that are in place, you know. So it's it's a tough one, you know. But again, it's... it's but, but see, because I was reading articles as well on this individual. And like you said, he was well known by the police forces and by all the services and the organizations on the ground. And one thing that came up was that um, was the issue with the police stations where there's a lack of funding and they're merging police stations, uh, taking them out from one district and merging them, you know, uh, merging, for example, two districts into one, um, into one local police station. Obviously that leaves less people on the ground. Um, I'm not saying it, that it that's doesn't that. actually the idea, like it, it, it there was going to be this, this one for it happened in my district right now. We're waiting for the bilan on that, uh, the report to fully see the impact of that merger. So it's not something that's gonna it's gonna just happen all over Montreal. First of all, you know, it's something that has to be. Well, it's happened. It's happened in a couple of districts, and yeah. it happens in districts where they're needed the most. Like it happened in Parkex, for example, yeah. uh, in Côte de Neige, NDG. I, I mean, these are the districts where you would imagine you have permanent stations there. Mm-hmm. I, again, like I think uh, we're waiting to see the report on that yeah. specifically in my district to see what the impact is. And uh, it should be out soon. I mean, they did an initial report, and there wasn't the, the there wasn't a big difference in the incidence of crime or things like that. Uh, and the idea was like to actually have more people on the ground and less people in the in the station. But we're waiting to see that to see what the next steps will be. Do we, you know, the satellite one? You know, what? It's not something that is. You uh, were gonna be shutting down. I mean, that's not what we're going for you know it's really to evaluate and also to do consultations with people to see what you know what is needed specifically on the ground as well um let's talk about the biggest hot potato uh downtown our 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 downtown core that has completely turned into like a ghost town maybe not recently i mean we saw some life come back 
uh, around the summertime, a little after the summer. Obviously, now with everything happening, uh, I, I don't really go downtown very often with all the construction work and you know the state of you know the 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 the, the state of the roads and everything happening there. It's first of all, it's frustrating for every driver. Um, what's the plan? What's the strategy? How do we revive downtown? How do we get things back to what it used to be? Well, again, that's a, that's in the file that is under uh, Luc Rabouin's, uh, really, he's in charge of uh, economic development. Specifically, there is a relaunch plan that is going to be put in place, that is started being put in place, the 90 million relaunch plan for Montreal. So that's going to be moved forward at that level. I mean, locally, again, I know more, I'm new, so more locally, what I want to work on is work closely with uh, with merchants. Uh, there's already been like discussions on creating a, a Société de Développement Commercial for for my district and district and NDG as well, uh, you know, working with them, ensuring that they're having access to whatever emergency supports they could get, uh, promoting local business as well. So, I mean, more locally, that's what we're doing. Uh, at the greater level, there is there is money to relaunch the economy, and the economy was doing pretty okay considering the situation. So there is there's it's it's a it's a bigger file that one i think are you are you hearing from like since you're speaking about locally i I, i'd love to get your feel on this uh because i mean i i still get calls and i i get feedback from a lot of people uh obviously the circumstances around COVID 19 aren't you know aren't, aren't the best um what are you hearing on the ground with all these closures you know uh, the, the sunday closures of the business and uh you know lockdown measures and all these things how has it affected business how has it affected locally uh your your, your merchants I mean, one thing that was happening before the pandemic and it it, does, it was has become more difficult is finding people to work. Right. That's what I'm hearing a lot. And I worked in the employment sector, so I knew that that, that the industry, the restauration, like when you talk about local business, it's a lot of restaurants and retail. It's hard to keep staff. So there's that, obviously. Uh, the numbers are going down, you know, financially too. Uh, a lot of businesses adapted and they went online or they do a lot of takeout if it comes to restaurants and things like that. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's mixed, you know, there's, uh, there's positive uh, things that have come out of it, but there are you know, businesses have been, I think it's really finding the human resources, what I'm, I'm seeing a lot, steady staff to do the right. hours, that have to do, considering all the measures in place and other, you know, people are changing industries completely, you know, going back to school, uh, there's right. a lot of also to incite people to do other programs. Uh, like small trainings to get into different industries. You know, we know we have a penury de main d'oeuvre as well, or in the health sector, education sector, uh, IT also. A lot of uh, work is being done to get people in IT, which is a little bit easier to get into. So there is a, yeah. So that's why I, I, I'm observing a lot. Yeah. Uh, Debbie, I know you have to get back to your uh, to your committees. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. It was it was good seeing you. I don't know when we're going to see each other again, but uh, usually usually we see each other around Christmas and a couple Christmas of times. December. Uh, I crashed your uh, your picnic with uh, with everyone at Jerry Park last year. Yeah, I saw you twice last summer. Well, this summer, twenty twenty one. Yeah, wait, wait, were we at Jerry Park last summer? I don't remember that. I think it was okay. Maybe you weren't. Okay, I don't remember. Well, that's what I remember. <laughs> what you weren't invited, George? No, no, I'm just jokes. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, I, I'm just looking forward to this thing, fuck, so that we can get back to normal and that uh, we can just see each other again, man. Honestly. Yeah.
congratulations again. Uh, really Thank happy you. to you. Uh, wishing you lots and lots of success. Uh, there's a lot of things, obviously, for you to learn and to, for you to adapt to, but um, I think you're going to do great. Uh, I'm sure of it. Thank you. All right, Debbie. Thanks. Looking forward. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care.